My name is Joe Hawkins, and this is the History of the Mormon Church and 50 Objects podcast. Hello again, and welcome to History of the Mormon Church and 50 Objects, Episode 12, The Plat of Zion. In January of 2017, the Sabbath Lake Shaker Village of Upper Maine suffered a major blow. When Sister Frances Carr succumbed to old age and died, she left only two Shakers in the entire world. At the time of recording this podcast, both of those surviving Shakers are living in that same Sabbath Lake Shaker Village in Maine. As they are a celibate religion that is no longer attracting converts, we will probably see the end of a major U.S. religion from early America in the upcoming years. I touch on this sad story because you may recall in our last episode we discussed the law. In Ohio, a wealthy farmer had donated more than 700 acres of land to the Mormon church by way of consecration, so the first Mormon bishop, Edward Partridge, could assign out portions of that land to the needy converts moving in from New York and other regions. But although Lehman Copley had tentatively said yes to living the law, he still felt the pull toward the Shaker religion of which he was previously a member. So in the spring of 1831, he asked Joseph Smith about organizing a small mission to his home just outside Kirtland to meet with the Shaker community. The Shakers, as a Christian faith, had a lot of similar beliefs to the Mormon church in that they believed in the need for a restoration of Christ's ancient church. However, they did not believe that baptism was necessary for salvation, and they believed that Christ's second coming had already taken place in the form of Mother Anne Lee, a female Shaker leader in the early 1700s. In short, Joseph called on Lehman Copley to preach to the Shakers with Sidney Rigdon and Parley P. Pratt. The Shakers received them and even allowed them to preach the gospel to them after one of their Sunday worship meetings. The Mormon message was being considered. They even listened to Joseph Smith's written revelation calling them to repentance for their beliefs on baptism and Christ's second coming. But when Parley P. Pratt got a little too vocal, a little too pushy, they demanded the Mormons leave immediately. They ridiculed the Mormons and especially Lehman Copley whom they knew personally. Sidney and Parley went home immediately, considering their mission finished, but Lehman battled some internal conflicts. What to do? Which group was right? And with whom should he worship? At the time, the Mormons numbered less than 400 people. There were over 7,000 Shakers, and their communities were settled, organized, and growing. If Lehman just could see into the future, he may have seen our day, where the last two Shakers are battling it out, to see who will live the longest and win the title of last living shaker, while the Mormon church is the fastest growing religion in the U.S. and numbering over 16 million worldwide. But, alas, in the end, Lehman decided against the Mormon church, and upon returning to Kirtland, he withdrew his consecrated lands to Bishop Partridge and his membership in the Mormon faith. Bishop Partridge and Joseph Smith now had a decision to make, where to place the Colesville branch making their way from New York. So let's pause our story here just a bit and provide some context before diving into this episode's object. From the early months of 1830, Joseph Smith seemed to become immersed in the thoughts of Zion. After finishing the Book of Mormon translation, he was working on additional translations of the Bible. He'd been working on portions of the books of Moses and was stuck on Zion and the New Jerusalem. Both the Bible and the Book of Mormon seemed to reference the New Jerusalem, where the saints would worship God and be one in heart. 
This caused Joseph to start considering a few things. First, where was Zion? Joseph knew from a revelation he'd received in New York that it was out west on the boundary with the Lamanites, which meant probably Missouri, but where he didn't know. And second, how would he fund the building up of Zion? And third, how exactly was Zion to be built? Now, when Joseph Smith sent the first four missionaries out to preach to the American Indians, they were also tasked with scouting out the lands in the Missouri region and reporting that back to Joseph. Joseph Smith was impressed with what he heard about Missouri, and now that the law of consecration was revealed, he had a way of beginning to fund the building up of Zion. So this starts rolling when he is commanded in June of 1831 by the Lord to go to Missouri, where he said the Lord would reveal to him where Zion was to be found. So here we go. In June of 1831, Joseph Smith and 28 pairs of missionaries are off and on their way to Missouri, preaching along the way to whomever would listen. In July of 1831, Joseph Smith arrives in Jackson County, Missouri, and it is revealed to him that Jackson County is to be the New Jerusalem, with the city of independence as the center place of Zion. That revelation can be found in the Doctrine and Covenants, section 57 of the Mormon Church. Like most cities on the western frontier, independence was very young. It had only been founded four years previous to Joseph Smith and the Mormons arriving on the scene. It was named after the Declaration of Independence and would become the home to future American President Harry Truman. As it was the farthest point westward, where steamboats and other cargo vessels could travel on the Missouri River, it became an important frontier town as most travelers, merchants, fur trappers, and the like would use it as a jumping-off point before moving west. So naturally, it gathered a rough crowd, not really the place where religious people would have been looking to make friends. But to Joseph Smith, a commandment is a commandment, and he's told that a temple is to be built just west of the courthouse in Independence. So in August of 1831, Joseph Smith and a number of the brethren claim a plot of land, lay the cornerstone, and dedicate it to the building up of Zion. Now, the land isn't for sale yet, it's just claimed. It won't be until December of 1831 when Bishop Partridge, using church funds from the law, is able to purchase the lot and 63 acres of land for the commencement of Zion. So, the Colesville Mormons that were expelled from Lehman Copley's land in Kirtland now have acreage on which to start settling. Not just acreage, but Zion acreage. Bishop Partridge will be staying in Missouri as the bishop of that group of Mormons, and Newell K. Whitney is made the new bishop, or the second bishop, in Kirtland. Going forward, new Mormons will migrate to Missouri and claim lands in that state. Joseph Smith would tell Bishop Partridge and the Mormons to buy up as much land as possible. They even start a printing press. In the near future... All these Mormons buying up all this land will really catch the eye of the locals, but that's for another episode. For the time being, Kirtland is to remain the capital of the young church because Joseph Smith is there, but it's just temporary, as Missouri is the New Jerusalem. So I have to say, Joseph Smith's vision of the New Jerusalem in 1831 had a beautiful ring to it. Independence, Missouri was just 10 miles from the Indian nation's this would allow the Mormon church to live within the United States and as Gentiles travel into the Indian nations or the house of Israel as told by the Book of Mormon and preach the gospel as foretold in the book of Revelations from the New Testament. So let's discuss our object for today's episode. 
Today we'll be discussing, like I said, the Plat of Zion. At this point, Joseph Smith had found where Zion was. He understood how it was to be funded. Now to detail out how it was to be built. That is the Plat of Zion. Now what exactly is the Plat of Zion? Plat probably grates a bit on your ears as it did mine. A plat is a plot of land. A few years after the Mormons had begun to grow in Missouri, they were buying up land and ready to start building out the city of Zion. So in 1833, Joseph Smith and some of those early Mormons decided they were going to plan out specifically how the city of Zion was to be built. They mapped it out on paper in Kirtland and mailed it to Bishop Partridge and the Mormons in Missouri. Now when you think of Joseph Smith, you probably think Mormon prophet, spiritual leader, Book of Mormon translator, treasure seeker. You probably don't think city planner, but that is exactly what he is. Joseph's Plat of Zion detailed everything in the city, from the location of the temples and schools to homes, gardens, parks, and farms. So where can you see a copy of the Plat of Zion? The original can be found in Salt Lake City at the Mormon Church's History Library. Or you can just Google search it and look at the images. You really need to look at it. But to give you some details, the city is laid out in a grid which would consist of one square mile of land with 10 acre blocks. Each block would be divided up into 20 identical lots. It detailed the size of the streets, which were much bigger than anything being done at the time or even being done in most cities today. All homes were to be made of brick and stone and it even instructed residents to plant a grove of trees in the front yard and a garden in the long, narrow backyard. Each block would rotate 90 degrees so across-the-street neighbors would see the side yard and not the front yard. It was anticipated that this would help with the flow of traffic and also be a little bit easier on the eyes. Once the population of a city reached 15 to 20,000 people, a new city was to be built just like it and, as Joseph Smith said, eventually fill up the whole world. It was a very ambitious and inspired plan. Now, unfortunately, the plan won't be put into action in independence. We'll cover the mob violence about to break out against the Mormons in upcoming episodes, but independence never sees this plat put into action. I can hear you asking me right now, Joe, why then are we discussing it as an object in this episode? Well, this plat of Zion will be replicated in part of Kirtland, Ohio, and then in far west Missouri. It will then be replicated in Nauvoo, Illinois. City planners everywhere listen to this. This plat of Zion will follow the saints to Utah and across the West. This plat of Zion will be nearly replicated in hundreds and hundreds of cities across the West, from Canada to Mexico to San Bernardino, California. If you ever visit Salt Lake City, drive around. The streets and the layout with the temple at the center is almost a complete replica of the plat of Zion. In our day, the plat of Zion remains a famous object. In 1996, the 30,000-member American Planning Association awarded the Mormon Church and Joseph Smith the Planning Landmark Award. In that ceremony, they said, quote, The planning and founding of over 500 communities in the American West is regarded by many planning historians as one of the most significant accomplishments in the history of American city development. So, what role did this object, the Plat of Zion, play in the history of the Mormon Church? It provided the blueprint for city building across the West. Mormons just won't be welcomed in the United States for much longer, and after Joseph Smith gets murdered, the Mormon Church decides to leave the organized United States and head West. City planning will now be one of the least of their concerns. 
So that's it for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode of History of the Mormon Church in 50 Objects, the Plat of Zion. As always, if you have questions or comments, you can reach out to me directly at Joe, H-O-M-C, historyofmormonchurch at gmail.com. And as always, if you enjoyed this episode, please take a few minutes to give me a review on iTunes. It helps a lot. Thanks again. 